Welcome to Lily, the voice of Alice von Hildebrand. I'm John Henry Crosby, founder and president of the Hildebrand Project. Alice von Hildebrand, known as Lily to her friends, inspired audiences with her wit and wisdom in over 300 appearances on TV and radio. This podcast is a treasury of those archival recordings. This is the seventh episode in the series on Dietrich von Hildebrand's book, The Art of Living. In this conversation, Lily begins to discuss hope primarily through its antithesis, despair. The chapter on hope was the second essay Lily contributed to the book. Now, here's Lily. You know, there's a close connection between chapter six and chapter seven, Mm -hmm. because in chapter six, I tried to show that every human being has a deep longing for communion and closeness with other people, basically for love. Now, as most of us feel and do not reach it, particularly the deprived generation of young people today who have been cheated of an authentic Christian generation. Mm -hmm. And they try and try and every single time they go from failure to failure to bitterness And then obviously comes the classical temptation called despair. And in some way you'll be very tempted to say that if you read old literature, you know, even in Plato, or if you leave uh, in Plato or medieval philosophers or early modern philosophers, the phenomenon of despair was hardly ever mentioned. Now it is truly the merit of the great Danish philosopher Kierkegaard who died in 1855, to have concentrated his philosophical attention on the phenomenon of despair. And he did do it because he went through a period of rebellion against God, of temptations that all of a sudden life struck him as absolutely meaningless. And no doubt, several times he was tempted by suicide. And thank God, he found his way back to God and then has become a great defensor of the faith in Denmark, you know, unveiling all the weaknesses of Protestantism in a rather amazing fashion. So therefore, the alternative for us are going to be either despair, which basically leads to suicide, or hope, which is a way open to God's infinite goodness and mercy. Now, if I were to talk about my personal experiences, uh, in Hunter, I would That's say the that college you Hunter talked, College yeah. of the City University, where I spent my life teaching, I see the greatest majority of my students came to my classroom in a state of what we might be called unconscious despair, because you can be deeply despaired and not fully realize it, because somehow the exterior mechanism of your life is working. You have a job and you're earning money and you can eat and you can sleep and you're having fun from time to time and you don't go deeper than that. And obviously, if your life is centered on fun and pleasure, you're going to make a very bitter experience. Every time something appeals to you subjectively, whether it is food or drink or sex or drugs, there's a very strong appeal and then you satisfy it, you give in to it, and there's a moment of pleasure, intense pleasure, and then it's over. That's right. One of the peculiarities of pleasure is that it promises a great deal before you get it, and it never quite fulfills your expectation, and then you have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. 
And then you might say, well, last time I failed, but this time it's going to be a perfect fulfillment. But you see, the very moment that you expect pleasure to give meaning and fulfillment to your life, you're exposed to despair. Because even if your life went one constant sequence of one pleasure after another, it's always to be the same phenomenon. You grasp it and the very moment it's gone. It's gone. A pleasure doesn't, doesn't last eternally. And this is, of course, one of the fundamental differences between pleasure, which animals can enjoy, and a taste of happiness. Because happiness always implies that there is a deep value involved, which is steady, which is going to continue. I mean, of course, the climax of it is beatitude which is eternal. Just to illustrate the point, I mean, certainly drug addicts who aspire and often do have constant pleasure, daily pleasure, or prostitutes, for example, have sexual pleasure constantly. They're very unhappy, obviously. No, everyone would agree they're unhappy. They're desperately unhappy, and nevertheless, they're hooked. You know, whether you take a drug addict, whether you take someone who is caught up by sexual temptations, whether you take alcohol. You know, I know people that were alcoholics, I know people that are alcoholics, and they escape into it because, I mean, their life is basically so dull and so uninteresting and is such a disillusion. And this very moment you drink alcohol and it's going to give you a boost. All of a sudden you feel that you're someone. You know, I know someone who said to me, well, I'm drinking because it gives you the feeling that I am someone. When you're drinking, all of a sudden you become self-assured and you become wittier and all your inhibitions are thrown down the drain mm -hmm. and all of a sudden. And then after a while, you have to start all over again and then you discover that you are a slave. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what we can call the tragic case of unconscious despair. Now, hope and, and a positive mental attitude are psyching yourself up. There's two different totally different. Aren't well, they? I mean, that has nothing to do with hope. See, that's, you that's, know, that's uh, just wishful thinking mm -hmm. or escapism. But you see, of course, the tragedy about unconscious despair, that you cannot fight against a sickness that you're not conscious of. And you know, it was one of my experiences in the classroom, and in some way, a terrible experience, that when I spoke about despair, and you know, some of my most successful courses were precisely dedicated to what Kierkegaard calls sickness unto death. Mm. My courses were packed. Mm -hmm. But the danger is you make someone conscious of his unconscious despair. Now, the very moment that you become conscious of your despair, the danger of committed suicide increases. Because as long as you were unconscious of your despair, you could be sort of half satisfied. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, my digestion is good and I'm having fun and I'm making money and I'm functioning well. This is what our society expects us to do. First question, what are you doing? Are you earning a lot of money? Yes. And yes, I am, and I'm doing quite well in my job. And then people feel that they're satisfied. Now you become conscious of your despair. Now, the interesting thing about being conscious of one's despair is that it is better. And from one point of view, it is worse. It is better because when you're conscious of your despair, you can do something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of saying, well, no, I'm truly seriously going to try to discover whether life has meaning. Because if life is meaningless, why should we live? You know, after all, I did not ask to come into existence. You know, this was pushed upon me. And if I discover existence would be meaningless, 
I mean, why am I not entitled to snuff out my existence? And I mean, this is why euthanasia today and, and assisted suicide are becoming yes. so popular. Yes. I don't want to live. And therefore, I have a right to take away my own life. You cannot give life to yourself, mm -hmm. but you can take it away. Yes. You know, which shows that man's negative power is infinitely greater than his positive power. Man cannot create the universe, but now he can destroy it. You know, this is a fearful thing about the atomic or hydrogen bomb. Yes. You know, God said, be, and it existed. Man can't do that. And he resents it, but now I can see, be not. Press on a button, the whole thing yes. blows up. And it gives him the illusion of mm -hmm. metaphysical power, when in fact it is self-destruction. On the other hand, conscious despair is dangerous because all of us are fairly impatient. And if we don't find a solution within 24 hours, we're going to see it's hopeless, I'm not looking anymore, and then suicide. I mean, in Hunter, there were students jumping into the courtyard and committing suicide, which is not surprising because obviously they were so despaired. They were living in such darkness. They knew nobody who cared for them. And then, of course, suicide seems to be the solution. It's a lesser evil. Yes. Now, there is the worst form of despair. Of course, in such a moment, suppose that I'm conscious of my despair, <coughs> you see, there's a solution which is to turn to God. I mean, some people have prayed, God, I don't know if you exist, but if you do exist, come to my help. You know, it's already a very beautiful form of prayer. Mm -hmm. You believe that there is no God, but you see, if there is one, and I know that you are good if you exist, mm -hmm. come to my assistance, and then usually God answers it. That's right. You say God, of course, never despairs. That's an understatement to be sure, because in each and every conception of a human being, God directly enters into that, creates a soul, infuses it into the body, even if it's incest, whatever whatever brings about that, that uh, new life, God has the hope that that life will ultimately get to heaven. Well, I mean, this is why God creates us, you know, with the possibility of finding Him. Exactly. But obviously, we have to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And there's a third form of despair, which is basically diabolical. This is a despair of Judas. You know, Judas became probably convinced that Christ was God. And instead of turning to him and begging for forgiveness, he despaired of his own, the possibility of being forgiven. And therefore he despaired sure. that sure. God was infinitely good. You know, I must have mentioned in a previous program this very, very moving thing that I heard when I was five years old and getting ready for my first communion. And the nun had received a little church bulletin from Paris. You know, these little kids in the slums of Paris and the priest was teaching them uh, biblical stories and telling them about the betrayal of Judas. And Judas discovering that he had shed innocent blood through the 30 pieces of silver in the, and then hanged himself. And this sweet little boy, innocent little boy, raised his hand and said, Father, why didn't Judas hang himself on Christ's neck? Now, basically, in human existence, all of us, all the viewers of this program, have to know that we have two alternatives, to hang ourselves on the branch of a tree and to commit suicide because we realize that we are failures, because we realize that we are sinners, because we realize that human life is meaningless, or to hang ourselves on Christ's neck and then to be saved because there is infinite mercy. 
And there are those, of course, who commit suicide, as we've already implied. You have that God cannot forgive me. I've committed such a terrible sin, and therefore I, I'm going to commit suicide. But I mean, the, the despair, the worst form of despair is when you know that there's a solution, and yes. you turn it down. Yes, right. You know that God is infinitely good. Mm -hmm. You know that God is infinitely powerful. See, I do not want help. That's right. I prefer hell all by myself than to stretch out my hand and say, have mercy on me because I need, you know, that is, well, this is, well, this is uh, satanic, you know, yeah. this is the very moment that your pride is so overwhelming that even though you know mm -hmm. that God is there to help you, that Christ has saved you, say, no, I don't want it. But there are so many people really who do not believe God forgives, or couldn't forgive them. They don't know. You know, this, well, I mean, of course, the temptation is to say other people can be forgiven, but my sin is so awful. Right. I have done this and that and that, I cannot be forgiven, which is to sin against the Holy Spirit. You know, the very end of St. Teresa of Lisieux's autobiography, there's a passage which I find so magnificent and it's so moving that all of us should read and reread it. You know, she says, I'm hoping to go to heaven not because of my own merits, because I have led a pure life. I mean, she was quite conscious of the fact that she had received so many graces, she had not never sinned mortally. But she said, but no, this is not the reason why I believe that I'm going to go to heaven, not because I haven't been a great sinner, but because I trust in God's infinite mercy. And if I were the worst of sinner, and my life would have been spent in sin, what I would do is to turn to Christ and to beg him for his mercy. That is my hope, and that is therefore I put all my hope in his goodness and his mercy and not in my own merits. So if any one of my viewers has led a bad life, has fallen into sin, has done things which are pretty bad, turn to God with hope and he will, he will forgive you because his infinite love and infinite goodness and he wants to save sinners and not to condemn them. What, what really hit me one time several years ago, I was at a conference in Canada and I, uh, I was talking to a, a doctor and he deals in a clinic for uh, cancer victims that are fatal. Everyone in the clinic is going to die. They know that there's no cure. So they're trying to help people to die. And he said he didn't, in that entire clinic of maybe 400 people, doesn't know of anyone at that time is really asking for a priest or a minister to help them to die. They just don't think about God. He, he said he just was amazed. He said they, they're they more interested in what their next meal is going to be or whatever, but they, they know they're, all know they're going to die. But he said it just was an incredible uh, shock to him when he went into that. And so this is a, a reflection of our time when we know we're going to die. We're not even looking to God for reconciliation. One of my very close friend's grandfather was a very rich businessman, and he was dying. And he was very, very close to death, and he said to his granddaughter, no, read the newspaper and tell me whether the stocks are going up or down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's you know, it. you laugh. They die the way but they I mean, we should sob. Oh, yes. I know. They we die should the sob. There's something so yeah. infinitely sad. I mean, you're just on entering eternity and all these things become dust and ashes. Yes. Because, I mean, as I said the other, uh, the other day in another program, the moment that I die, 
What difference, mm. I mean, I'm dead in my coffin. What difference mm. does it make whether I was rich or poor, Correct. whether I was handsome or ugly, whether I was successful or not successful, whether I had what I wanted and didn't have what I wanted, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even if I, if I die a dreadful death, you know, suppose that I'm raped and then cut to pieces as a colleague of mine in Hunter, a woman that I saw night after night after night. Mm. One very fine day she was. She was murdered, she was raped, she was murdered and cut to pieces mm. and thrown into the Hudson. God. And she, I mean, the police discovered it because these people were racing and they were stopped for speeding. And then they opened the car and found out she was in the truck cut in pieces. Oh, now, a colleague of mine, this woman I'd seen for, I mean, for years on end, it just shook me to the very depth of my being. Now, the moment that she's dead, what difference does it make whether you were raped and cut to pieces or whether you died peacefully in your bed as a friend of mine who just went to sleep and never woke up again? You see, it's gone, it's yeah. over. And I mean, this is one of the great temptations today. You see this in politics, you see this in social work only to be concerned about man's immediate welfare. Mm -hmm. You know, of course we should be concerned about it. Of course we should do something about it. But ultimately, yes. the only thing that counts are the things that mm -hmm. have an eternal resonance. Exactly. Exactly. And this is to offend God. Thank you for listening to Lily, the voice of Alice von Hildebrand. We hope you enjoyed this episode. New episodes of Lily are released every week. Please share our podcast with your friends and family, and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to support the production of this podcast, we invite you to become a monthly donor or to give a one-time gift. To donate, please visit hildebrandproject.org forward slash giving. For more information and updates, follow the Hildebrand Project on social media and sign up for our newsletter in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and helping support the legacy of Alice von Hildebrand.